0: Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. Since the beginning, we have needed rescue. Then God became flesh and blood, dying on the cross and defeating the grave so that we may be saved. Well, happy Easter. We're so delighted that you're with us today, whether you're joining us here in our main sanctuary or in our amazing new video venue in the theater or at home. Welcome. We're glad you're here. Feeling welcome is important, especially if you're a newcomer or visitor. New places can seem strange and even uncomfortable. Recently, I had that kind of experience. I was running errands and found myself with a little extra time on my hands. I also remembered that I needed a haircut. And I noticed a barbershop I'd never tried before, so I decided to give it a try. It was a distinctly different kind of place, that's for sure, with a hipster kind of vibe going on and loud music. They took me right away. My barber was a young guy who seemed friendly enough, actually rather chatty. But two things struck me as strange from the start. First thing, he had this leather strap that he was using to sharpen a rather large, menacing-looking, straight-edged razor that apparently he was going to use on me. (laughs) Second thing, his arms were heavily tattooed, which is fine, which is great, but, but the, the tattoos were so heavily tattooed that you couldn't actually read what was, what was there. And when I finally deciphered it, I was a little alarmed. The left arm read, God is dead. And the right arm, I'll see you in hell. And just as I was absorbing those sentiments, the guy, still sharpening his razor, the guy says to me, so what do you do? And without hesitation, I replied, I'm a writer. (laughs) Anyway, we hope you feel perfectly at home here today as we celebrate our faith that God is not dead and our home is in heaven. Today we're beginning a brand new five-week message series. As a parish, this is one of the things we do. We take a topic and over four or five consecutive weeks, we delve deeper into it. We're calling this series Victory because Easter celebrates victory, Jesus' victory, his win over death as well as our redemption. Redemption, what's that? Redemption is one of those words that's a church word for sure, and we actually try to avoid church, church words that can make church sound like a a club for insider church people, which we definitely don't want to be. But the noun redemption, or the verb redeem, is a word that's both used in the church and in secular society. The dictionary actually defines redemption as compensation. Compensation for faults or bad aspects of something. We use the word redeemed when an experience was difficult or disappointing, but then turns out all right in the end. For instance, a movie that's really slow but is redeemed by a surprise ending. A fumbling football team that redeems themselves with a touchdown in the final minutes. A really bad meal that's redeemed by a delicious dessert. A good outcome, a happy ending, a great reversal can make up for a whole lot of disappointments and difficulties. As a culture, we love stories of redemption too whether from Hollywood or the Ukraine. We love stories of turnarounds, upsets, underdogs, triumphing. Why? Because whether we recognize it or not, whether we know it or not, we all long to be redeemed. It's true, we do. We long to be redeemed. Think about it. We can all agree that Nobody's perfect. We, we know that. We know that we can sometimes be far from perfect. And as a result, we're never completely, totally, 100% satisfied with ourselves. Whether it's our financial management or time management, daily discipline or daily diet, we know that sometimes we're far from perfect, further than we would want others to know. And that's the other side of this. We all want to please others. All of us have a desire to please someone else. As kids, we want to please our parents and our peers. As adults, we want to please our spouse, our boss, our colleagues, our customers. And all of us, whatever level of self-confidence we might have, all of us sometimes feel the sneaking suspicion that we might, just might fall short. We long to become something more than we are now. You know, every other theology, every other philosophy, whether a major world religion that's been around for thousands of years or a secular atheistic worldview that's the product of contemporary thought, every other philosophy and theology has one thing in common, and it's this. I must do more I must do more to make me right I am not now as I could be or should be I must do more to make me right here's the difficulty with that perspective when the challenge or problem with you is you how do you fix you Self-help was always the the largest selection in the bookstore back when we had bookstores. But however hard we work at it, however much we try, we're always going to be limited in what we can do for ourselves. Christianity, Christianity offers another way forward. And we hear all about it in today's first reading from the Acts of the Apostles. Acts of the Apostles is a book of the Bible that tells us about the life and activities of the early church and the first Christ followers. In the passage we're looking at today, the Apostle Peter is speaking to a Roman soldier named Cornelius and Cornelius' family, who of course at this point were not Christ followers. Peter is introducing them to Christ and to Christianity. We read, Peter proceeded to speak and said, You know what has happened all over Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with power. He went about doing good works, and God was with him. Everyone in that region of the world at that time had heard about Jesus of Nazareth, that's for sure. For about three years, he had this amazing run. His reputation for good and great things preceded him wherever he went. People were attracted to him. People who were nothing like him, liked him. He was a force. Jesus moved with power. That's not a word many people associate with Jesus, but the people who came in contact with him experienced his power, his strength. Jesus was a force for healing. He healed people. People came to him blind and regained their sight, deaf and could hear again. The disabled walked. The dead were raised. The forgotten, the neglected, the marginalized were lifted up and made whole. Jesus was a force in his preaching and teaching. He spoke with authority and people listened. And suddenly people found direction in their lives. He gave a clear identity and a sense of purpose to people who thought they had no value because they were told they had no value. Jesus was a force for justice, for change in the world, standing up for the common people against the corrupt religious leaders of the time. He challenged those leaders to stop abusing their power and instead use it to serve others. He challenged them to stop making it difficult for people to step into a relationship with God, which is exactly what they were doing with their religious rule keeping. Most of all, Jesus was a force for hope, hope that God calls us to live more successful lives in the light of his love and the eternity that he has in mind for us. Sounds great, right? But those leaders he stood up to, those leaders in turn responded badly, very badly. They felt threatened by him and they were jealous of his popularity. So over and over again, they tried to trap him and trip him up. And over and over again, he outwitted and overpowered them until, according to God's plan, he allowed them to win briefly. Peter tells us they put him to death by hanging him on a tree. On Good Friday, it looked like game over. One day, Jesus Mission and ministry were vibrant and flourishing. Increasingly, he was creating a movement that was gaining momentum that definitely looked like it couldn't be stopped. And then the next day, it was stopped. It was done. Just about every one of his friends and followers fled in fear when the Romans nailed him to the cross. They thought it was over forever. All hope lost because... When you're dead, you're dead, right? No one can defeat death. That's what they thought. Death had the last word. Death always has the last word. But it didn't. Not this time. Peter goes on. This man God raised from the dead on the third day and granted that he be visible not to all people but to us. The witness chosen by God in advance, who ate and drank with him after He rose from the dead. He rose from the dead. Jesus rose from the grave. He defeated the grave, proving that God's power and God's love are stronger than even death itself. And of course, by going to the cross and rising from the dead, he changed history, he changed the world. That's the astonishing claim of Christianity. The death and resurrection of a single man 2,000 years ago changed the world once and for all and forever. Volumes have been written on this subject, many way too dense for me to even understand myself, much less try and explain to anyone else. But perhaps I could make one point this morning, and it's this. That desire that we have in our hearts, that desire to please others, it's not unique to you or to me. It's not unique to any of us. It's shared by all of us, and it's actually given to us by God, like everything else we have. And ultimately, it points to a desire to please Him and to give back to Him what He deserves. In fact, our deepest longing is to please God. But sometimes, sometimes in our heart of hearts, we know our lives are not pleasing to him, not altogether. That's precisely where Jesus' life, death, and resurrection come in. Jesus lived a perfect life in a way we can't. Each day, in every way, in every moment of his life, he obeyed his Father in a way we don't. His was a life of obedience to the Father and perfect surrender to the will of the Father, even when it meant death on the cross. He lived a perfect life, perfectly pleasing to God. And that perfect life, that perfect surrender puts us back in right relationship with God. God accepts his life on our behalf. That's it. That's redemption. God accepts his life on our behalf. The bad news is we can't redeem ourselves. The good news is we don't have to. Your Redeemer died on the cross and rose from the dead and lives now in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus' death and resurrection gives us a new beginning, a fresh start, and shows that our past faults and failures can not only be forgiven, They can be forgotten. They can be redeemed. The great thing about God is that he can bring good out of bad, hope out of fear, joy out of sadness and sorrow, life out of death, and out of abject and utter and complete failure, victory. His victory can redeem us and make us whole and make our stories success stories. In Christ... Everything bad and sad in your life can come undone. But more than that, every day Christ wants to walk with you and work with you. If you'll spend even a few minutes a day in quiet time with him, he wants to walk with you and work with you in fashioning your life into something good and true and beautiful and eternal, something that has a positive impact on the community around you. It's a journey. It's a journey that begins with a single step, a step that you can take this morning, today, here. Did you know every Easter Sunday, Christians around the world return to a very ancient tradition? We renew our baptismal promises, promises to follow Jesus Christ more closely and completely allowing Him to influence and inspire every area of our lives. We profess a desire to live in the freedom from sin and death that we really can have as sons and daughters of God. Even if you're not baptized, even if you've never been baptized, you can make this commitment, you can take this step today, you can make this promise for the first time. You certainly don't have to. You're most welcome to sit it out and we totally respect that. But if you think you'd like to, we'd love for you to join us. It's a way of accepting or beginning to accept a loving relationship with the living Lord. So, if you'd like to take this step, I invite you to stand. I invite you to stand here in our sanctuary, to stand in our video venue in the theater, to stand wherever in the world you are this Easter Sunday as we pronounce the promise of baptism. Dear friends, through the Easter mystery, we are buried with Christ in baptism so that we may walk with him in newness of life. Now that our Lenten observance is concluded, let us renew the promises of baptism by which We renounce Satan and his work and promise to serve God in his church. And so I ask you now do you renounce Satan and all his work and all his empty show? Do Do you renounce Satan, the author and prince of sin? do. Do you believe in God, the Father, the Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth? Do you believe in Jesus Christ, his Son, our Lord, who was born of the Virgin Mary, suffered death and was buried, rose from the dead, and is now seated at the right hand of God? Do you believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sin, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting? May Almighty God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has given us new birth, By water and the Holy Spirit, bestow upon us forgiveness of sin and fullness of grace. We pray through Christ, our Lord.